Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Dungeon Dads podcast. I'm your Dungeon Master, Sam Frank, here for, <laughs> with uh, <laughs> Tom Blaylock. <laughs> yeah, no, wait, no. <laughs> so uh, we're doing a little turnabout as fair play here. Uh, I invited Tom to this session. He has no idea really what to expect, except that I will be setting the scene and asking him to play along. Oh, that's um, awesome. This is like a nice change <laughs> for me. Thank you so much, Sam. You're welcome. Um, so what this is, we were going to call this D&D Explainer, but I think that's too ambitious of a title. I think we're going to call it something like just enough D&D to understand this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we have gotten so many requests from friends and family and they're like, well, it's nice, but I don't really understand what's happening here at yeah. all. So, so. so just to be clear before we scare anyone off, uh, this is not going to be a full explanation of the D&D rules. Not even close. No. Um, there are many tomes, which as an aside, I think are actually very accessible and readable. And I encourage you to pick them up maybe as a Christmas gift for a loved one. But um that's certainly not enough. We don't have enough time here to get into all of that. And uh, it's not all necessary to enjoy what's going on in the podcast, or at least understand it on a basic level. We hope um, so. We hope it's not, we, yeah. we hope you don't have to understand the full tone. So enjoy it. <laughs> we hope. Um, the reason we have not done this before now is frankly, we just not be- did not believe that anyone who didn't already know about D and D would be interested in listening to this podcast at all. Uh, so it's been a pleasant surprise that so many people who have no interest in D&D at all still want to listen to us um, goof around. Well, and I want to say there's it, it a possibility that the people who we're doing this for do not actually want to listen to a D&D podcast at all, but rather are interested in us. So, <laughs> so unfortunately, Fair point. so yeah, but this is for all of you out there. So mom, uh, here's how D&D works. <laughs> yeah. um, so the first thing I want to talk about just is generally the fact that we all have different roles um, on the show, in the game, in the podcast, uh, and in a D&D game. So the primary division is between the dungeon master, who is not me, who is typically one Mr. Tom Blaylock. That's right. <laughs> uh, and then the players, who would be me uh, and John Watson and Tim Carr. Um and fundamentally, the way that works is that Tom is the one who is he's prepared some material ahead of time. He may have the outline of a story prepared. He ha- may have more or less prepared. We never really know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in general, he will be the one setting the scene. He is the one creating the world. He's the one who is making this sandbox for Tim and John and I to play in. Um, so then he will, he will set the scene. He will play any characters who are not us. And then we will interact and uh, have dialogue and do things within that scene, kind of similar to an improv scene. Um, so there's sort of a mix of Tom's preparation and the things that he has, you know, set ahead of time, but he never knows what we're going to do, uh, once we get into the scene. So he also has to be able to roll with it if we do something crazy. Um, yeah. And, and that I just want to say like for everyone who's listened to the episodes that have been out so far, um, uh, I prepared a great deal for the first few episodes uh, because we've been thinking about doing this for a very long time. And uh, pretty much from the outset, what I expected them to do, they did not do. And <laughs> I had to just start rolling with it. Uh, so it gets into pretty heavy improv very quickly. 
for me yeah. also. So so I just want to give the people a real quick example here of what setting what this might sound like. So you're the dungeon master, I'm a player. Uh set set the scene for me here. Okay, so uh, we just we just recorded an episode, and I can tell you that one of the things I prepared for was a uh, a post battle search uh, of bodies of sort of wreckage. So um, so the guys we start this the we we start the session, and I say, okay, I, um, a wagon has been destroyed; it's been blown to bits throughout this this clearing in the forest, and. Uh, the heavier bits and pieces are close to the wagon and the lighter pieces, the glass, small bits of treasure have been thrown far and wide throughout the field. There's four or five chests in the field and, um, and you know, you only have a few minutes because the, the noise was so loud that it's going to start attracting people to come to the clearing uh, for you. Now as a character in this scene, I might say, Okay, I start picking up treasure as fast as I can. Or I might say, I'm going to go look to see if there's anybody wounded lying around and, and try to help them. Or I might say, uh, heck with this, I run off into the forest as fast as I can. Uh, I can yeah. do any of those things. And that's one of the things that's that can be interesting about this is that it's so open-ended. You know, we we can kind of do anything within the the world and the realm that Tom has set. Mm-hmm. So, um, so at its base level, that's what most of it is. Is Tom setting a scene for us? You know, having some some supporting characters, and then uh, the three of us interacting within that scene or choosing what we might want to do within that scene. Um, where it gets complicated is when we start rolling dice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, I will say, I mean, the the primary role of the the role of the rolling of the dice is to introduce an element of unpredictability. Uh, so basically, anytime a character does something where there's a chance they might succeed or fail, um, generally speaking, we will roll a d20, a 20-sided dice. That is a crazy-looking die that has 20 sides to see uh, whether or not we succeed or fail. And that might sound something like this. Well, that was a 12. Not bad. Very good. Um, So, uh, you know, obviously the result could be anywhere from one to 20. Um, By the way, this is probably a good place to have an aside about how we refer to dice because there are a lot of different kinds of dice used in D&D. So there's four-sided dice. There's six-sided dice. There's eight-sided dice. There's 10-sided dice. There's 12-sided dice. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. 20-sided dice. Um, And the really big one is actually a D100. And and usually, if you hear us do a D100, because none of us actually own a D100, uh, we just roll two 10-sided two dice. Mm-hmm. And, and one color of the die, like if I have an orange one and a red one, the orange one will be the 10s, and the red one will be the, uh, the, 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 the single digits. And so, so great example, a- Tom, of getting way too, too far, far into too the far. weeds. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> See, now that's just a good example of the kind of restraint we have to show throughout this. That's right. Uh, that's thing right. To make it a high level overview. But I just want to say that, and sometimes we'll be rolling multiple dice. So the way you might hear us refer to that is if I'm rolling three six-sided dice, that's 3d6. Or if mm-hmm. I'm rolling two eight-sided dice, I'll say 2d8. So when you hear us saying that on the podcast, that's what that means. That's right. Um, so when I roll my 20-sided dice to die, 
to complete this task. <laughs> Generally, anything like a five or below, if a task is like a five or below, that's something trivial. You know, it's it's very easy to do. Yeah. Anything in the 15 to 20 range would be something that's very hard to do. Yeah. Um, who decides how hard the task is to complete? Generally speaking, Tom does. So um, if it's something that he hasn't prepared for, he'll just have a number in his mind that we have to beat on our ability check. Um, but on, in a lot of cases, according to the rules, there will be a defined number that we have to beat on That's our, right. our ability and, check. And I can give you a good example of this. Um, uh, a 10-foot wall that's made of brick is specifically a, um, a difficulty challenge of 10 to climb up and over. Uh, using one of your abilities, and that's that's referred to directly in the big tomes that Sam was telling uh, you know telling you about a second ago. So if I want to make that wall more or less difficult, maybe it's got slimy you know uh, moss on it that would make it more difficult, and I would make it a harder thing to do. Or if it's got footholds and toeholds, I might make it even easier. Um, if I'm worried that they're going to die, if they cannot climb up this wall, I might make it even easier uh, to keep the narrative going. Although I do very little of that. <laughs> Sometimes we wish you would do more. Um, now, something that requires like a 30 would be just this side of physically impossible. That's right. Uh, yep. And you might be asking yourself, well, how could you roll more than a 20 on a 20 side to die? Well, it's because based on the way we've created our characters, our characters all have different skills and abilities that might give us pluses to that die roll. Um, so, for example, let me pull out my character sheet for Abel here. Um, Abel has a, he's, uh, for various reasons, has a plus six to perception, uh, which is the skill that's used whenever you're you know, searching for something, looking around, trying to spot something out of place or something extraordinary, um, like a hidden door in a dungeon or, say, a particularly good piece of treasure lying in a giant pile of treasure. Right. Uh, so returning to our original example, right, the cart has exploded, there's stuff lying everywhere. Um, I might say something like, uh, I want to look around and see if there's any particularly good treasure in this in this loot that is scattered everywhere. And Tom would say, yeah, I would say, okay, well, give me a perception check uh to look for um the goldest of the gold <laughs> in the in the various piles. And I would roll, I rolled a 10, I have a plus 6, so that's a 16. That's a good roll. And That's a good roll. Yeah. And, and so depending on so I would have a very good chance of spotting something if there's something particularly good in there. Yeah, but so the way that I do this as the dungeon master is I take this as a um as a general perception. So, uh I know he's looking for treasure, but if if there is something else there, he might find that instead. Right? So so that is the way that I I do this. Like if I have things that are buried in the field, he might see um uh, something sticking up from the ground. And I'll say, um, you know, you don't find any gold, but you do see the hilt of a of a short sword that's sticking out that looks like it might be valuable. All right. That was on the verge of going too far into the weeds. Sorry. But I think sure. we, kept yeah. it, okay. we kept it this side. Or if I said, you know, I want to climb up onto the roof of the wagon and take a look around, you might say, 
I might say, how do you want to do that? <laughs> how do you plan to get up there? <laughs> I, I'm going to use my hands and my feet and scale the side of the wagon and climb up under the roof. Okay. So give me an athletics check. So and... then I would roll a 20-sided die. Yep. That time I rolled a nine. I have a plus four on athletics. So that would be a total of a 13. Pretty passable. Yeah. Do I get up to the top? You do. You get up to the top. But I, I will say you get up there and you sort of flub it up and you fall down in your belly when you get to the top. Yeah. Sometimes uh, it's Tom moving. adds <laughs> adds some extra fluff here just to uh, make us look dumber, yeah. uh, which is <laughs> which is always appreciated. Um, but I, so I will say probably the most important takeaway here is that whenever you hear give me a blank check, not give me a blank check, but give me a Athletics check, <laughs> deception check, check, history perception check. check. Yeah, that's a situation where we might succeed or fail based on how good we are at that skill and how well we roll on that twenty-sided die. Well, um, can I? Can I? I, I want to push back on that. So, so things are they do talk about it in the books as successes or failures, but the way that we run the game, um, a four is equally as interesting as an 18 to me. Oh, and so sure. I, oh, we're so going to get to that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're keeping it real basic, right? Okay. Now. Okay. Um, so the most important takeaway here is that all of our characters are good at some things and bad at some things. Um, That's right. Yeah. I'm not going to get into which things they're good at or bad at, although that should be painfully obvious from the show up until this point, um, or why they are necessarily good and bad at those things. Um, <laughs> sometimes that, it's the way they roll dice, and sometimes <laughs> it's just who they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you may want to read the player's handbook for that, but uh, you know, we have our strengths and weaknesses, and it is certainly possible to succeed or fail at various things in the game. Yeah. Um, where these kind of checks come in most densely, most fast and furious is in combat. Uh, when we're fighting other people, when we get into a scrape, suddenly there are a lot of rules that apply. There are a lot of dice rolls. There's a lot of stuff going on. I'm absolutely not going to get into any of the rules of combat, <laughs> except to say that uh, for anyone who has played a video game in the past 40 years, you probably recognize a lot of the concepts that have been cribbed from D&D over the years, like hit points and experience levels and and armor class things like that yep um and it's probably the part of the game that feels most like a game it's most like you're playing a game um if that sounds unfamiliar to you my advice is don't worry about it <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> uh, the only thing you really need to know about combat is that it is definitely possible for our characters to be permanently killed yes um, that, that's right so when and we, we do sound, have contingencies, we do have contingencies in place for ourselves that we are going to have a podcast that still goes on, but it might be without Abel. I was going to say, <laughs> so, do we have yeah. contingencies? Because if so, they have not been discussed with me. Um, but that's all a long way of saying when you hear us sounding worried in the middle of a combat, generally that's not an act. Um, we do get attached to these characters as we hope yeah. the audience does. And there is a very real chance that per the rules we have all agreed to, that character will not be able to continue in the story. That's right. Um, so yeah, we're not eager to see them shuffle off the mortal coil, although it is definitely a possibility. Yeah. Um, so the last thing I wanted to talk about really quickly is just why D&D? &D? 
<laughs> um, and I will say, if you're thinking about putting together a little group yourself, if you're a bunch of friends sitting around a table, the answer is pretty obvious. The rules and the dice rolls are what make this a game instead of an improv scene. Right? That's right. Um, not that it certainly doesn't have some of those elements and not that it isn't an unusual and open-ended game with um, <laughs> nebulous goals and uh, sometimes obscure win conditions, but it is that's what essentially turns it into a game that is fun to play for a group of sen- friends sitting around who don't necessarily want to sit around and just do an improv scene. Yeah. Um, for a podcast, it's the answer is a little more complicated. Uh, you know, why did, did we think this would be a good show as opposed to just a, a Tom writing us a comedy radio drama or <laughs> us doing long form improv set in a medieval fantasy world? And obviously there are a lot of answers to that. A lot of those answers are very complicated, but, um, and I certainly wouldn't want to speak to for even the other members of the podcast, much less the members of our audience and why they enjoy it or what they think is cool about it. Um, But I would say broadly speaking, it's that interesting things happen in the intersection of these three kinds of storytelling. So you've got the written element that Tom has come up with ahead of time, the world and the plot and, you know, generally what's going on. You've got the improv element, which is what me and John and Tim bring to the table when we do unexpected things in the environment that Tom has given to us. And then, I mean, he's part of that as well. There's just as much improv in what he's doing as as the rest of us, because he has to roll with the decisions that we make. Um, And then you have the dice rolls, which add this element of chaos to it, of unpredictability, where things happen that none of us could have planned out. And that we all have to react to and deal with as a, you know, as a quote unquote real thing that happened. Um, So, I mean, a good example is from the first episode of the show where, um, you know, we're routing these guys and uh, my character steps into the middle of the field and makes what I thought was a very badass speech, trying That's to very in- badass. <laughs> intimidate these guys into laying down their weapons. And one of them freaks out and takes a shot at me. And the shot just happens to be a lucky hit and, you know, knocks me unconscious. <laughs> you know, I go into shock and fall unconscious right there in the middle of the field. None of us knew that was going to happen, but no, because yeah. it happened, we all suddenly have to react to it. And it makes for a story moment that is maybe better than what we would have come up with. You know, I think so just among ourselves. Well, and so, and here's the other thing about that is that it wasn't, it's, you don't just react in the moment that set off all kinds of internal conversations between you and the other two player characters of, Oh my goodness. The only person that we have who is wants to be a frontline fighter um, is also the only person who can heal people and (laughs) can get them back up. And what happens when that person goes down? And I, and I just want to say they have not answered, like you guys have not fully answered that problem. (laughs) Like, like, uh, you know, it is still, um, if someone goes down and your Sam, uh, your character, Abel, if he also goes down, I, I honestly don't, I still don't really know. I mean, that you have some potions that I've given you, which I've probably given you too many of those uh, to well, compensate for this. But, but you know, that's a question for another day. 
Yes, it is. <laughs> and I and I look forward to answering it. And yeah. I hope I roll high. <laughs> Keep rolling high. <laughs> All right. So okay. hopefully that gave everybody a little bit more of a grounding on what we're doing on this show and why we say some of the things we say a lot, like give me a perception check or I'm going to roll 3d6. Um, but ultimately, if you take nothing else away from this, it's that um, anytime we're rolling dice, none of us know what the outcome is going to be. And the, the story could turn in any direction based on what that roll turns out to be. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully that was helpful. And uh, we'll see you guys all in the next episode. Okay. See you then. All right. Take All right. Care. Thanks, Sam. All right. Bye. bye.